Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. With high hopes coming out of the bye turning into a disastrous trip to Tampa, our beloved have no choice but to dust themselves off and go forward as they head to the Meadowlands to take on Eli Manning and the New York Giants. Do the Bears have it in them to bounce back, or are they looking forward to 2017? Brandon Estrick from SB Nation's Big Blue View joins us on the Week 11 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. We went from being the most confident 2-6 team in the history of the NFL to one of the most embarrassing 2-7 squads in the entire league. What's going on, everybody? Larity back for the Week 11 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review, and and shortly we'll uh, have our interview with Brandon Estrick. It's Estrick, not Estrick, from Big Blue View, not Big Blue Review. Uh, so I just got all kinds of stuff wrong on the last show. Brandon Estrick from Big Blue View on SB Nation to talk to us about the Bears and the Giants going into the Meadowlands. Uh, do they still call it the Meadowlands? I don't care. It's the Meadowlands. It's kind of like, uh, you know, like I've said on the show before, uh, the Rosemont Horizon is what I'll always call it, even though it's the Allstate Arena or whatever the hell they're calling it now and uh, and whatnot. You know, it'll be the it'll be the Meadowlands forever. Giant Stadium, whatever you want to call it, it's the Meadowlands. MetLife is what it's supposed to be called, but screw that. It's the Meadowlands or Giant Stadium. That's where the Bears are going to be taking their most recent ass-whooping this Sunday. So we will be talking to Brandon about that and how it uh, how it's going to go down. And talk about this Giants team. It's been a uh, kind of an up-and-down roller coaster type of season. They started off with two, two big wins. They're the only team in the league that's beaten the Cowboys uh, this year. And, um, you know, they had that 2-0 and start, then they had three losses in a row, and they're currently on a four-game winning streak. So, you know, is this going to be one of those where they lay an egg on home just because they've won four in a row and it's time for them to lose one? Or will they continue to put their foot down on the gas and just keep going forward and keep chasing uh, after the Cowboys? Uh, so that's the, that's the real question. So they're, they're the only team that was able to beat them, and they did it in the Jerry Dome. Uh, you know, in Dallas. So we'll uh, we'll have to see uh, if that uh, is something that the Giants uh, can pull off. I mean, you know, we have trouble stopping guys like Mike Evans and T.Y. Hilton. I can't imagine the nightmares that we're going to get from somebody like uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, on Sunday. So it could be a long, long weekend or long day for, for Tracy Porter and an even longer day for us Bear fans as we watch him get smoked uh, by uh, Odell all day long. So that is uh, what we have to look forward to on Sunday. And as you can tell, my confidence in this team, zero going forward. I mean, holy hell. Just, I mean, what a disaster last week was. I mean, just an absolute balls-up disaster is, is all you could quantify it to be. 
You know, it just we we had that outstanding performance and everything that could go right did go right in that bear game uh, against the Vikings. And then 13 days later against the team that's not even close to as good as Minnesota is. And even that's an argument that could be made right now with the the Vikings having lost four straight now. But, you know, this is a team that was reeling. It's lost two straight at home. You know, it just it was just set up self perfectly for the Bears to springboard onto the onto a positive foot into the second half of the season, and to, not only to, to losing is one thing, but to perform the way the Bears did on Sunday is something else entirely. You know, um, you know what I was saying before on on the review or the review episode the other day was, you know, it's been a quarter century basically since we let get. Ditka go and in that time having to suffer through Wanstat and Jerron uh Tressman you know Lovey had more up years than down but you know it, it there's a huge difference between you know getting used to over the years watching the Bears lose more than they win something else entirely watching them be bad I mean just embarrassingly ridiculously bad like they were on Sunday and we, we've seen a few too many of these games in recent years uh, far too many as far as I'm concerned but uh, you know everybody has an off day everybody has a bad day like that that game that the Bears had uh, at the end of 2013 against the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles where it was just a disaster day everything that went wrong turnovers giving up big plays you know everybody has that one day where they just get blown out of the water that happens you know, but to to have games like that on a consistent basis, and this year it's been one embarrassing loss after another. We should have beaten Jacksonville. We blew a you know a thirteen point, uh, a two score fourth quarter lead. We should have beaten Indianapolis, but we couldn't get out of our own way with with the penalties, and we couldn't stop the one guy we knew they were going to throw it to because they had no one else to throw it to. You know, things like that. We, it, we, it just one after another. Uh, you know, if John Fox challenges the, the placement in the Houston game, they turn the football over and that kills the drive. And then who knows what happens in that first game of the season? It's just stuff like that where you have to go back and question one foolish mistake, one foolish thought, decision, play after another. And here we are, and we still got seven more weeks to get through. So, you know. But, of course, this is also the game where we come in with zero confidence, just like we did against Minnesota. You know, we come in with zero confidence. We have no chance in hell uh, of winning this game, and then something will happen. The Giants, who are notorious for it, will lay a huge egg at home, and the Bears will win the game uh, kind of thing. This is, you know, so don't be completely surprised if that happens. I'm just saying that with after what we witnessed in, um, on Sunday in Tampa, uh, don't bet on it. Don't absolutely do not bet on it. So in in my pick 'em, I'm taking the Giants, and I think I have ten or eleven points on the Giants. I have no confidence in the Bears uh, winning this game uh, on Sunday. I will be rooting for it. I will be happy as hell if it does happen, but I have no confidence whatsoever that that is going to actually take place uh, on Sunday. So now I'm more of in a going through the motions to let just get through it kind of thing i am not in the school of let's tank for a higher draft pick i think that is so stupid <laughs> when people well let's just lose them all and so we can get that that high draft choice like really 
You want to sit through seven more weeks of this? You just want to sit there and watch six more, seven more Tampa Bay Buccaneer games. That's what you want just so we can pick second because nobody's going to get the better pick. No one's getting a better pick than, than Cleveland is. You know, you want to sit through seven more weeks of that just so we can have the the chance to pick a quarterback or whatever, you know, at the number two spot or or what have you. No, I want the Bears to win. To hell with it. To hell with the draft picks. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. You know, I want the Bears to win. Do I think they'll win? No, but I want them to win. And I won't be upset if they go on a tear and win four out of the last seven games. I won't be upset because we won our way out of a top two pick or anything like that. That will not upset me. It will not upset me. I mean, maybe I'm crazy. You know, I just don't think that having the number two pick is going to matter all that much, especially since there is a chance that the people who are in charge now won't be in charge when that draft pick comes around. So, I mean, it we could be starting over again in 2017, especially with the way this team keeps playing. I mean, Ryan Pace, thanks to guys like Jordan Howard and Cody Whitehair and Leonard Floyd and, um, you know, the way that some of last year's picks are, are, are playing, Adrian Amos and such, I think that Ryan Pace will probably survive because his draft picks are building a foundation towards the Bears being better in the future. Uh, I think that John Fox um, is definitely coaching himself into retirement. Uh, I think that that's definitely happening. And one other thing is um, uh, Jay Cutler's definitely gone after this year. You know, I've kind of wavered on it. You know, should we, shouldn't we? Because the quarterback market is so bare in the NFL these days you know you either have that guy that's there because you have to have a quarterback or he's a franchise guy I mean there's really no in between anymore there's no like we have a good quarterback on our team it's either it's Brady and Rodgers and Roethlisberger and those guys way at the top or it's a bunch of uh you know RG3s out there in the league right now I mean there's really nothing in between anymore and it's uh I don't know what the hell's happened to the quarterback position, but you're either one of the best or you're everything else, and it's just crap from, like, the top six guys down. You know, if you're not Brady, if you're not uh, – I mean, even Andrew Luck is is kind of not in that discussion uh, anymore. But, you know, if you're not uh, Russell Wilson or, you know, one of those guys, then you suck, and, you know, your team is looking forward to replacing you very soon. 
And, um, you know, so, but it's like because the quarterback market is so bare, it's like, can the Bears do better than Jay Cutler? And, and it's such a tough question to answer because we all know how good Jay can be. It's just that we have not seen enough of that guy for most of us to want the Bears to keep giving him another chance. You know, plus, how do you how do you rationalize Jay Cutler surviving a fourth head coach? You know, he he survived Lovey, he survived Tressman. How is he going to survive Fox and get on to the next? How can we keep doing that? How is that possible? And I, I don't see how it is and how it's fair to the team, to his teammates, and everybody else. That's you know. I think that Jay is the longest tenured guy on the team. Like, there's nobody on the team now that was there when Jay come. He came. He survived everyone. He survived everyone except the freaking McCaskies. You know what I'm saying? Everyone except, like, the owner of the team has survived. You know, Jay is the only one that survived that entire thing. I mean, how insane is that? So, I mean, if, if it all goes down the way that it looks like it's going to, Jay is, um, you know <laughs> – like everybody was saying that before the Tampa Bay game, Jay is auditioning for for other teams. He needs to really step it up, or he's only going to play for somebody who's desperate, and desperate means he's going to be playing on a losing franchise to finish out uh, his career. So, one silver lining in this whole thing, uh, if you can even call it that. I mean, we we all know that we've lost Alshon for the next four games because of the PED violation. Um, Marquise Wilson was activated off of the pup list, so he will be playing uh, this week or at least on the roster when the Bears play the uh, Giants on Sunday. So our, our starting wide receivers could be Marquise Wilson and Cameron Meredith. Yay. I mean, Cameron Meredith has played well, but, uh, oh, man. We went from starting the season with Alshon and Kevin White and the potential and how awesome that could be to – here we go. And and quite frankly, the, it probably won't even be Marquise Wilson. It'll be like Josh Bellamy and Cameron Meredith with Marquise Wilson possibly coming off the bench kind of thing. So, And Eddie Royal in the slot if he's still healthy. So who knows? I mean, he may have fallen and, and gotten a paper cut or something since the last time we saw him. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. So, yeah, this is the pessimistic, pissed off, no longer optimistic Larry that you're – dealing with now this sucks and i'm tired of it you know i really am like when uh, george mccaskey at the end of the 2014 presser when he announced that he was firing emory and and tressman talking about virginia mccaskey being pissed well this is me being pissed i'm tired i am tired of having to do this show and having nothing but losses and negative play and what the hell were they thinking to talk about on the show you know, I'm tired of, of trying to pump myself full of optimism in the uh, in the preseason or the, you know, in the offseason to try to build myself up and, and somehow talk myself into uh, a 10 and six or 11 and five record when the schedule comes out, knowing that it's not going to be that way. It, this is all wishful thinking kind of thing. I'm tired of being that guy. You know, I would much rather be you know, like the Steelers, like, you know, I'd much rather be a Steeler fan that, you know, can look at the schedule and be like, yeah, it could be eight and eight. But, you know, every now and then the Steelers like to drop a 12 and four on you, you know, kind of thing. It's just uh, our Baltimore Ravens fan. We're like, yeah, we had a down year, but now we're going to come back in their first place uh, in the division 
right now, you know, or just one of those teams like this. Why, why, why not? Why couldn't we be the Broncos or the Patriots, a team that's always in it, no matter what, a team that's always in the hunt for the division, which means they're always in the hunt for the playoffs. In, in you know, why couldn't I'd rather do that, you know? But unfortunately for me, I'm a Bears fan, so I'm stuck for now, you know. So, and I'm pissed off about it. I'm just I'm tired of it. You know, I'm not the guy that's going to be embarrassed and not wear his Bears colors when he goes outside my my Bears jacket or my Bears hat or whatever that I happen to be sporting on on that particular day. And I'll take my lumps from any dickhead non Bears fan who wants to want to wants to poke fun at me or whatever. That's my team. This is, you know, it's one of those things like being a Cubs fan. Not really my choice. And up until these last couple of years, if I had a choice, I would have probably picked somebody else. But. You know, I am a Cubs fan. God help me. And this year it finally paid off, and I keep waiting for the year it's going to pay off to be a Bears fan because it's uh, it's getting old. You know, I'll never jump shit, but, you know, I don't want to be one of those uh, bitter, you know, Bear fans that's always like, ah, we'll probably blow it. You know, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be so jaded and unhappy that I just don't have any hope for the franchise anymore. But I'm tired of trying to talk myself into it all the time. You know what I mean? So anyway, on that sunshiny note, we're going to go ahead and, and uh, shut things uh, shut things down and uh, bring in our, good f- our, our new friend, Brandon Estrick from Big Blue View on SB Nation to help us preview this Week 11 matchup between our beloved Chicago Bears, and they are still beloved. Don't get it twisted. Um, you know, this is still my team. God help me. But um, we'll bring in Brandon and we'll talk about this game and uh, see what he thinks. You know, uh, is uh, you know is a two hundred point uh, point spread too much this week? Just you know, going into it. So we'll bring in Brandon Estrick from Big Blue View to preview Bears Giants Week Number Eleven. And here to help us to preview the Week 11 matchup between our beloved Chicago Bears and the New York Giants from SB Nation's Big Blue View, we got Brandon Estrick on the line with us. What's going on, Brandon? How we doing? Everything's good, man. It's good to be on with you, Larry. How's everything over there? Oh well, we're two and seven, and it's a pretty pitiful two and seven. So we'll we'll just we'll <laughs> yeah, I'll just leave it at that. You guys, on the other hand, six and three, somewhat of a surprise team in the NFC East. Uh, this year, everyone was kind of looking for things from the Redskins, a bounce back year for the Cowboys, maybe even something from Philadelphia. But one of those teams that's kind of was riding under the radar uh, going into the year was the New York Giants. And here we are in second place and the only team so far that's managed to beat the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Yeah, well, this is nothing new. If you go back to all the years, the Giants have been a good team. If you go back to the Super Bowl seasons of 2007, well, more recent ones, uh, 2007, 2011, every time the Giants are counted out, every time the Giants don't have those lofty expectations, they're kind of just an also-ran type of team, at least that's the perception, is when they perform. Giants' problem isn't necessarily trying to compete with anyone else but their expectations, if, I, if that makes any sense. And to clarify that, let me say 
when the Giants are looked at to do something, when the Giants are looked at to be one of those teams that leads the pack in the NFC, that's when things usually go wrong. So it's a little bit, little bit more of the same. We've got a new coach. We've got some new players, some exciting rookies. But it's just embedded in our DNA, I guess. When the expectations aren't very high is when we perform best. Yeah, I think back to uh, 2008, the year after you guys were the Miracle Champions in 2007, beating the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl. You guys actually played very well throughout the regular season, were the number one seed in the in the NFC that year, and then lost to the right, yeah lost the lost to the number six seed Eagles in the in the divisional round, and didn't really get that season off, and you know didn't get the didn't get to defend the championship because they got uh, ousted early. Uh, in the season so it's like when like you said when expectations are high the Giants don't usually answer the call but when nobody's expecting anything from the G-men that's usually when all of a sudden here they come exactly exactly it's been that way this season yeah and in both your championships years in 07 and, and 2011 nine and six ten and six the the last team to get into the playoffs but then here they are beating the Patriots and and both Ben thank you for that by the way because that's just the last thing that we need is for Tom Brady to be undefeated in the Super Bowl and I thank Eli and the Giants wholeheartedly for for making that uh you know not a possibility so that was wonderful especially in 07 when they were undefeated that was beautiful uh, Eli has his number. You know, it, it took two Manning brothers, man. When we finally got to Eli, someone someone had Tom Brady's number in that family. So we come into 2016, and right out of the gate, the you know, for I don't know what, like the fourth or fifth year in a row, the Giants have to play the Cowboys to start off the season. And, of course, it takes place every on year, yeah. every single year, it just seems like, <laughs> uh, on Sunday Night Football. And, uh, you know, they figured it out. They got a 2019 uh, victory uh, out of the deal and some people have an opinion if Terrence Williams had any idea what the hell he was doing that might not be the case the Cowboys would be undefeated and the Giants would be five and five and four well you could easily make that argument if you want or you could look at the totality of the game they went back and forth all game long if you take away the Eli Manning interceptions in that second half maybe we win more comfortably it doesn't come down to that play and at Very the end true. of the day the New York Giants did drive down the field to score that touchdown, that Victor Cruz touchdown with, uh, I think it was a minute and five remaining, that put the game away. So without that, we're not even there. So the Giants won that game more so than anyone would want to say. Definitely. No, I'm I'm in that school for sure because I was watching that game. I, I believe the Giants won it, not so much that the Cowboys uh, lost it. So they follow up the next week with a win against the the Saints, and then a three-game skid that started with a loss to Washington, and I would ca- classify that as a game where the Giants lost it more than the Redskins won it because of the uh, the spoiled opportunities. Eli threw a couple of uh, bad interceptions in that game, so it's it's that's one of those games where I would say, yeah, I think the Giants lost this one more than the Redskins won it, and it sent them on a three-game skid right there at the beginning of the season, and then automatically, once again, expectations lowered uh, for the Giants. I would agree there. And what you saw in that Redskins game was actually things that had started to present themselves a week earlier, even in victory. Like you said, in week two, they beat the New Orleans Saints, but it's probably one of the ugliest football games anyone's ever seen. Um, I believe it was 16-13. Just total, total lack of offense. Yeah, disappointing on that end because of the, the year before, you know, there was 1,200 yards in offense and one 
one quarterback threw seven and touchdowns, the other one threw six. Six, and, right, you know, right, right. Yeah, just insanity in that game. And then it's like, man, we're looking forward to this one. 101 total points between the two teams, right. Exactly. Watch these teams go at it, and then it was 16 to 13. I was like, what happened here? Two, two things happened. The first was obviously Jerry Reese is as much flack as he's taken. He finally decided to go out and do something to upgrade the defense. Now, the offensive line, that's another subject altogether. We'll get to that shortly. He spent about $200 million on defense trying to improve what was the worst uh, what was the worst um, passing defense, I believe, in NFL history last season. I don't have numbers right in front of me right now, but off the top of my head, I believe it was the worst passing defense in NFL history in 2015. So he added a few pieces, obviously, Janoris Jenkins, um, Eli Apple, through uh, the draft, he added Olivier, Olivier Vernon, excuse me. And um, what happened was this Giants defense has started to gel. I, I think they've played well all season, but they've been solid the entire season. They've carried the team. If you watch the Giants from week to week, um, even in those games where we lost, the three-game scare that you were referring to, which started with uh, Minnesota, in those games, the defense gave the, gave the offense the ball back with opportunity after opportunity. The offense just couldn't do anything with it, whether they were turning the ball over or they couldn't move and had to punt. Another thing was they weren't taking any time off the clock because we hadn't established the run at that point or even committed to the run at that point in the season. We were just leaving way too much time on the clock, giving the, giving the defense or getting the defense back onto the field. And obviously, you know, you can't continue to, to make stops and make holds and make big plays and turn right back around and have to come out and do it again. The offense has to help you out there. They've done a better job of that recently. It's still not totally cleaned up, but that's kind of been the case all season. Well, actually, that's that's something that the uh, that the Bears are, are guilty of, actually, on a much grander scale, unfortunately, is that uh, you know the defense, I think, is number 11, uh, in the NFL, but the offense is absolute, you know, bottom of the league and, and very much in the same aspect where the defense will come out and, and do its job and then the offense will do nothing. But in the Bears case, it's just they wear down because they're spending so much time on the field that in the third and fourth quarter, the defense is non-existent because they're simply just completely gassed out and the offense is, is offering no help throughout the entire game uh, consistently. So I can definitely feel where you're coming from but uh, on a you know the, because I'm watching the same thing happen with my team as well right yeah it's it's, it's a frustrating thing obviously we just cash in a, at least one of those opportunities we've got an entirely different conversation the the, the rankings jump from you guys said you're number 11 I think it was number 11 in total yards for the Bears defense yes so if the offense can just give them at least one touchdown off of a turnover we might be talking about the eighth ranked defense in the NFL Right, exactly. So speaking of rankings, uh, that's one thing I wanted to ask you about is that I see that, you know, the the um, the offense is very lopsided as far as the stats are concerned. Anyway, uh, number nine in the league in passing almost 267 yards a game, but 31st in the league in in rushing. And, uh, you know, what's what's going on with with the running game? Is it that you haven't found a running back that you kind of go with? Because I know that's been a problem the last couple of years. Or is it just is, is McAdoo more committed to the pass than he is to the run? Um, it's a little bit of everything. It's a little bit of everything. I, I would exclude running back from that equation. I don't think that the Giants problem is running back. Again, that's some that's something that many may disagree with. 
But Rashad Jennings, to me, has been solid since he's been here. He's been here since 2014. We know what he can do. The problem with the Giants running game is having this year, like you said, is for one, the lack of commitment from um, Ben McAdoo. He's more so he's more so a aerial attack, short offense, modified West Coast kind of coach. For example, in that Redskins game that we gave away, I think at the seven around the seven minute thirty seven minute thirty second mark of the third quarter was the last time the Giants ran the ball. They went for the rest of the third quarter, final seven minutes of the third quarter and the entire fourth quarter and did not run the ball one time. Not one run play. Mind you, we'd gassed them the entire first half. So it's a lack of commitment and the other major part, the offensive line. Again, I don't want to keep piling on these guys because I don't think that they're as bad as, you know, they're made out to be. They're definitely, they're certainly not good. I'm not going to say they're a top unit or a top 10 or even a top 15 offensive line, but they've been a little better in recent weeks, but they were the problem. I don't think that you could have put anyone back. Ezekiel Elliott could have came into the Giants backfield and he wasn't going to have much success over the first, I'd say eight, nine weeks. Obviously I won't include week 10 because we finally went up over a hundred yards against the Bengals last week. But uh, it's the offensive line, and it's the lack of commitment. Okay. So after the three-game skid, you guys are on a four-game win streak. You got wins over Baltimore, Los Angeles over in uh, London there, and then you got a division win over Philly, and then, as you said, Monday night, uh, the win over Cincinnati. What was what was different between the three-game losing streak and the four-game win streak? Has it, has it been the defense, or was there something else? Um, it's, it hadn't been too much. That, it's been subtle. I'd say the main difference is the defense is might might have even gone up another notch as far as how they've been holding the lead and as far as how they've been keeping the offense in games until they can get around to, you know, actually making plays. And Landon Collins. Landon Collins is right now on Vegas odds, if you check them, is in the top eight or nine full eight eight or nine guys favored to win the defensive player of the year. He's been lights out, especially the last Four weeks, going back to the Rams game, um, I think he had two interceptions for two games in a row. No, he had two interceptions in that Rams game, and he had an interception against Philadelphia, and he had an interception the other night against the Bengals. Uh, Landon Collins has been lights out. The rookie safety next to him, a uh, little-known guy, undrafted guy out of UConn, uh, Andrew Adams. He's been um, he's been a ma- he's been a major contributor. And not too much was expected out of him. He's a replacement, an injury replacement for Darian Thompson, who never really, we never really got a chance to see what he could do. But Andrew Adams has stepped in and done a nice job. We're also starting to get a little bit of pressure. Um, it's not showing up in the in the stats. So Jason Pierre-Paul, Olivier Vernon, you know, people will crush them all day. They're they're not producing. They're getting paid X amount of dollars, and they're not. They don't have these grand sack totals. But they've been very disruptive. They occupy these tackles. They they get pressure on the quarterback. They get pressure on the quarterback. That's allowing the uh, the secondary to creep up. It's it, and a lot of thing. A lot of good things are happening on that defense. Well, I mean, that's one thing that I that I've been uh, most impressed with when when looking at the Giants is that having the pass defense that you had uh, a year ago. It's all of a sudden the secondary seems to be a strength now. 
for the Giants. Landon Collins, uh, you know, went through that rookie year last year, taking all the lumps. You guys draft Eli Apple, you sign uh, Janoris Jenkins, and then the you know you you guys hit on the undrafted uh, you know free agent this year. All of a sudden, the secondary is one of the more formidable uh, you know in in the NFL. Uh, right now and and just shows you just how quickly things can turn around when the right people are in place exactly exactly and that difference of a split second that pass rush getting some pressure on the quarterback makes any secondary that much better well you're you know if if uh, Monday's game against the or excuse me Sunday's game against the Buccaneers is any indication Pierre Paul and and Vernon are going to earn their paychecks on Sunday because uh you know I love my team, and, and I hope for the best, but uh, after what they did against Tampa Bay, optimism is not high in, uh, in, in Bearland uh, these days. It's, it's been quite a uh, tough pill to, to swallow watching them play the last uh, – well, this past Sunday was, was pretty brutal. So um, not looking forward to seeing what, uh, what's going to be happening on Sunday, especially with uh, you know the Bears having trouble covering a guy like Mike Evans, but uh, what are they going to do? when they have to try to cover uh, Odell Beckham Jr., who despite all of his off-the-field exploits is actually pretty, having another pretty solid season uh, this year. Well, I don't think anyone over there, and I ask you, did you really have high expectations for the Bears this season? Not playoff expectations. This year was looked to be more of a bridge-type season. You know, we're, we're, still a, we're still at least a year or two away from being like a serious contender but we've done well uh in the draft ryan pace has signed some some decent guys in in free agency this was supposed to be the year that we take a step forward maybe that doesn't translate in wins and losses too much i think we were topping out expectations at eight and eight maybe nine and seven uh this season but to come out and look like the cleveland browns more more days than not was definitely not in the plans as far as what we were expecting to see it's like last year we were a team that was low on talent but high on effort and we were scrapping out wins we won a couple of games nobody expected us to we were barely losing games to really good teams so we were thinking that with a more talented roster or so we thought coming into this year that maybe we get the ball to bounce our way a couple of times and we win a game or two and hey maybe eight and eight nine and seven isn't completely out of the possibility and with a little extra luck maybe we have that that magical john fox second year turnaround and we make a playoff run uh this year i mean it was one of those fantasy type things where wouldn't it be great if this happened but expectations were more in the 509 to 7 range and it would take a miracle for that to happen now nfl man not for long let me tell you <laughs> the way you just said like john fox's turnaround second season you went from that being the, the the expectation to now every Bears outlet I see is already starting to name replacements for John Fox next season. Right. But at the same time, we have to keep things tempered here, like I alluded to earlier. The Giants always tend to um, they tend to let down. You know, they tend to let down when, when the expectations are high, and many people expect them to roll over the Bears. I don't. I'm not going to go out and say I think they can and should win this game. But I'm I'm not going to discount the Chicago Bears for one reason and one reason only, that pass rush. That pass rush, I believe you guys, are, was it eighth, eighth in the NFL in sacks this season? Uh, yeah, we're, we're up there for sure. And then that was like, for me, that was the one thing that I think might give the Bears a chance is if we can either get to Eli or even better, you know, 
pressure Eli because, you know, as good a quarterback as Eli is, he can make mistakes when he's under pressure uh, sometimes. And that would be something that might give the Bears a chance in this game. And that seems to unfortunately be the only bullet we have in the chamber uh, based on how we've been playing lately. It's a big bullet, let me tell you, because uh, <laughs> Eli Manning. Um, I'm an Eli guy. Love Eli, obviously. I've seen his entire career now, since dating back to 2004, when I totally disagreed with him even entering. Kurt Warner was playing well, but that's another story. When Eli gets pressure on him, Eli, normally he'll stand in there, fire. He's been known as a tough guy, doesn't mind taking his lumps throughout his career. Hasn't been as much the case this year. I don't know whatever it was, maybe... And I don't want to put anything out there. I'm not saying he's hurt, but maybe there was something he's covering up, and that's purely speculation. He just hasn't looked the same. He's played well, or well enough, I should say. He hasn't played up to his standard. That doesn't necessarily mean all of a sudden he's, you know, Jay Cutler. (laughs) But, uh, you know, Eli's had better years. Is this year especially? Whenever that rush gets there, if you saw it, if you saw them on Monday night against the Vikings a few a few weeks back, maybe a month or two back now, um, as soon as he got any trace of pressure, he was letting that ball go, throwing it right into the ground. That's something he's done way more of this season. Eli is not comfortable behind this offensive line. Now I see other times when he does have time, but he doesn't fully trust that offensive line to protect him. So it's a psychological thing. I don't think he's very confident in those guys. And a pass rush, any pass rush at all, especially the uh, in terms of sacks, the eighth best pass rush in the NFL is a pretty big weapon to have against Eli. You know, it, it could turn if if it's one of those low scoring games, the Bears have a shot, and it could be that if you guys can get the pass rush and keep Eli Manning uncomfortable in the pocket. Who knows? I, I'm certainly not going to say the Giants are on their way to, to any kind of blowout or anything like that. Definitely not. And I could be wrong. I, I hope I am wrong. Well, you know, I hope you're right, actually. <laughs> and and Because it would be nice to see the Bears in a in a tight game where they're in it until the end instead of watching them get uh, blown out again, which is actually more what I'm looking at. But that's just my pessimism talking based on how we we got blown out by the Buccaneers and the Giants are way better than Tampa Bay so I mean it it should probably be worse you know in 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 all intents and purposes so uh we'll have to wait and see on uh how that all shakes out so last thing I want to ask you before I let you go you're new to the new to the show you're one of our new friends uh here and what we like to ask is um you know how long have you been a fan? Is it an, as a lifetime New York Giant fan? And what is your favorite Giants moment hmm. watching the team? Okay, I've been a fan. Well, I, I was born a fan. I didn't have a choice. You know, this was a heavy Giants house. We're here. We're about fifteen minutes away from East Rutherford, New Jersey. Back then, it was called Giant Stadium at the Meadowlands. Now it's MetLife. Right. Yeah, I was a fan from birth. I started watching the games when I was old enough to really follow what was going on. And I want to say 19, no, not, not, it was 1994. I remember that for sure. It was Dave Brown's first year. I know maybe 2% of our listeners have heard that name ever before. But Dave Brown was yeah, the Dave Brown. quarterback wow. back then. Yeah, that's the first full season I watched. So I've been a Giants fan for life. I've been watching and following on my own since 1994. My favorite moments, obviously the Super Bowls. I'm going to leave those out because if I answer with that, that'd be boring. Right. 
favorite moments, the catch was incredible. The catch was incredible. Right. Odell Beckham catch on Sunday Night Football against the Dallas Cowboys, obviously, his rookie year. That put him on the map. Um, you want to hear mine? Sure. My favorite Giants moment is a recent moment that you will, will recognize. It would be um, Divisional Round 2007, R.W. McCorders picks off Romo in the end zone to seal the victory and send send the number one seed Cowboys home. And And the reason that it's my favorite moment is because I called it. I called it. I was telling my buddy on the phone like not even five minutes before it happened. You watch. Romo's going to throw a pick and the Giants are going to win this game. And sure enough, he serves one up to our dub right in the end zone. And that's the ball game. And the Giants move on and the number one seed Cowboys go home. That was a hell of a moment. If we keep it right there in that post postseason, I'll give you one better. Well, not better, but this is my moment in that postseason. Okay. Corey Webster's interception of Brett Favre in overtime at Lambeau. There you go with uh, Tom Coughlin's frozen red face. That frozen you, red face. Yeah, man, that guy looked like he was in pain. He did. It looked like he was gonna have you know frostbite on his face. He was gonna show up to the Super Bowl in Tempe without a face. You know, he's just gonna be bandaged up. And let me throw this in there. I forget the year. Forgive me. It might be two. I think it's. I think it was two thousand. The year the Giants had a skid. You know, I think they lost a few games. The head coach at that time was Jim Fossil. Right. Now, I have no idea. Maybe there's some things I'm not aware of or some industry type. I have no idea why Jim Fossil never got another head coaching job. That's a good question. Yeah. Besides the point, Jim Fossil that year had a press conference where he doubled down. He was pissed off, obviously, coming off another loss, tired of the media poking at him. He said, everybody, something to the effect of get, get in or get out. This team is making the playoffs. Sure enough, I think we ran off like our next six, got into the playoffs, and made it all the way to the Super Bowl. We didn't win that one. Right. That was a fun season. Yeah, ran into the buzzsaw that was the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, my God, those Ravens. Yeah, that was a – 2000 Ravens, that defense was incredible. Probably the the closest thing to the 85 Bears that anyone's ever seen, maybe better. I would agree. I would agree. It's it's – you know, it's a six in one hand, half a dozen in the other kind of argument when you talk about those two defenses compared uh, to each other. So it's, uh, you know, it's a fun argument to have because obviously I'm on one side of that argument. But, uh, you know, th- I, I did watch the Ravens. They were they were something to see that game. And then, you know, it was a 35-7 to final score, and the only touchdown that the Ravens gave up was on special teams. So that defense pitched yeah, a shutout. Yeah, yeah, Ron Dixon, man. We thought we had one too. We had one that we took back, if, if you remember. It was either Jesse Armstead, it was either Jesse Armstead or Michael Strahan. We took an interception back, and I remember Keith Hamilton got called for some bogus defensive hold that wiped it out. All right. Well, I think we'll we'll uh, we'll go ahead and cap it there, and uh, you know, good luck to your squad uh, on Sunday. Hopefully, everybody comes out healthy because that's been a problem. Uh, for the Bears, we entered that Tampa Bay game as healthy as we've been all season. We ended up wheeling like four guys out of that game uh, somehow. So even when we're healthy, we're, we're injured. So um, good health to the team, and uh, we'll see how it all shakes out on Sunday. Likewise, man, likewise. It was good talking to you, Larry. Brandon Estrick from Big Blue View on SB Nation helping us preview the Bears and the Giants for week number 11. I'm I want to 
thank Brandon for being on the show. Hope to have him back on uh, real soon. Um, and uh, who knows when that's going to be? Maybe it will be in uh, 2000 and uh, what's this? 2019, three years from now when we play the NFC East again. Or maybe some way, somehow, the Bears and the Giants will finish in the same spot so we can be same place opponents uh, at some point. But, um, you know, it's it's very simple the bear what the bears need to do i mean it really doesn't even come down to like strategy uh or anything the bears need to be somebody else this weekend is is what they need to do the because who the bears are as far as the 2016 bears are concerned they are you know penalty heavy mistake prone dummies is is who they are and um you know we, we need them to be whoever the hell they were against the vikings on monday night you know, the team that had two penalties for about 10 yards in that game, didn't turn the football over, were, were efficient on, on offense and uh, annihilating on defense. You know, that's what we need. That's, you know, to get after Eli, force him to make some of those silly mistakes that he can make uh, from time to time. And, uh, you know, you know, protecting or covering OBJ this weekend, double teaming him or whatever. It's uh, I don't know if it's possible for this defense to – pull it off i mean i like i like our chances with our our pass rush as far as trying to disrupt and make some things difficult for for eli and company but um you know we did a pretty great job of getting after Jameis winston it's just that we had a hell of a time closing the deal uh against Jameis winston now the, the the big difference there is that as far as scrambling and in the pocket um Eli Manning is nowhere near what Jameis Winston is. So uh, having one of those ridiculous, you know, I'm going to run 35 yards away from the line of scrimmage uh, into the end zone, duck tacklers, and then run forward and throw to a wide open receiver downfield, um, that's not something we're going to see Eli Manning do. I mean, even in that play in the Super Bowl where he threw the, the helmet catch, uh, and everything that was more about him breaking away from tackles than it was eluding anyone so that's uh more what happened there than uh than anything but uh you know that that's pretty much what it is i'm not going to sit here and and bore you with strategies you know attack this do that just we need to be a different team on sunday that's who we need to be you know whoever team we need to impersonate or pretend to be or think they are or whatever to avoid the penalties, to eliminate the mistakes, to keep the football uh, in their own hands and, and, and whatnot. That's what the Bears need to do. You know, we're, we're at that point right now where, where it's silly to talk about X's and O's and strategy and, and all the rest of that stuff. It, it's time to throw it all at the wall and see what sticks uh, at this point. So that's where that's where we need to be. So uh, Jay needs to have that quarterback amnesia and just forget about last week because uh, he's our guy from now on, from now until the end of the season, he's the guy. So I, I can't uh, I can't foresee the Bears benching Jay to put Matt Barkley uh, in there. There's no way Matt Barkley gives us a better chance to to win a football game. It's just not just not possible, um, you know, and it just uh, just, you know, throw it out there you know i want fangio to send nine on a blitz i don't care get after eli eliminate the possibility he's going to get it off you know we send the house the you know he's going to have to really get it to somebody to make it happen uh kind of thing so i mean just do whatever we're we're in that we're in that spot we're we're two and seven granted we're in a vision that's kind of crumbling around us and 
were not uh, mathematically eliminated from from winning it or anything like that, but nothing that we've seen from this team in the first nine weeks uh, of the season says that we're going to to make that run. So they're going to have to turn us non-believers into believers uh, again. And you saw how quickly they did it. You know, they dismantled the Minnesota Vikings on national television, and all of a sudden we're thinking that maybe we got an outside chance to make a run at this thing. And then, of course, that came crumbling down uh, a week later uh, in Tampa Bay. So, I mean, put together a good performance against the Giants and and maybe do a good job of shutting down Tennessee next weekend, and you just might win your fans back uh, in your favor. So they might be rooting for you because they believe in you rather than because you're our team and we're stuck with you, so we're cheering for you. So. Anyway, that's going to do it for the Week 11 preview of the Chicago Bears review. Come back on Monday when we review this game between the Bears and the G-Men and see how it all shook out. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears review.